Welcome to the ChatGPT Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer, uh, joined with our favorite guest, Matthew Iverson, the CEO of PromptBox and AppRabbit. Um, Matt, you're just telling me something really interesting you were doing with uh, prompts and sales. You want to break down uh, your sales workflow? Yeah, so for AppRabbit, we're trying to get more leads this month. So I've been doing these Facebook ads that are lead generating. So people put their name and phone number in, and then I get those. And then I have these auto texts and auto emails that go out to people, but for some reason they're not responding back to those. So, but they do respond to when I text them, like with my iPhone number, I don't know if it's because they get like the blue text or if my wording is different, but basically to customize the text message for all of them, I, I put them into, I put this message into prompt box and I turn their name into a variable. And so as I go through all these leads, I'm able to copy and paste their phone number into a message. And then I just copy uh, a prompt box thing. And it it's like, what's their name? I put in their name and it's like, what competitor were they using? And I put that into, and then I copy that. So I only have to type mm. two things, get a whole message, paste that into the, the text, and then I send it to them. They respond okay. to that, but they don't respond to like all my auto stuff. But yeah, that's kind of a fun, funny use case that I'm using Promptbox for. So was your was your auto response the exact same like formula of like words and stuff? Yeah, maybe a little different because I'm lazy to go into like Zapier and, and change it all up. But yeah, like use their name. And okay. I, I don't think it used their competitor. So I do have that in this new one. Um, do you know if the the ones you were doing before, if they had like, um, if it was a blue text, like you're saying on iPhone, like, yeah, the old one, you, so you can't do it. Like I tried to find a way to automate it through my actual phone, but all text messaging software, like uses these like nine digit numbers that don't always have good deliverability. I'm trying to like, right now I applied for like a short code, which is like a six digit number. Uh-huh. And you basically have like full on deliverability, but you have to kind of convince the text message marketing platform that you are doing transactional text. Like, you know, like if you buy something and it's like, oh, your purchase is verified or whatever. Right. So, okay. Gotcha. Kind of trying to, no, we're not marketing. We're <laughs> just sending people text <laughs> messages. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's really funny though. Cause I feel like, um, that brings me to like this whole concept around AI where I feel like if people feel like something's automated, if it's AI generated, like it definitely has a lower perceived value because you just know like the effort that went into it. So it just has lower perceived value. But if they see like, oh, this came from an actual iPhone, it's like a blue bubble on my phone, meaning another iPhone sent this to me, all of a sudden, like the perceived value is so much higher. And I think that's going to be a trend with AI where like anything you can do to make it seem a little bit more human or show people that there was some sort of human input or touch will all of a sudden have like dollars attached to it because everything else can be just like 100% automated. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, when I'm hiring for jobs now and like Upwork and Fiverr, trying to find freelance freelancers before I used to get really badly written, like really like too formal, but like very badly written things. Now I get perfect grammar. Everything is perfect. I can tell they're using chat GPT to send me stuff, but it's like over the top. And it's like to the point where it doesn't make sense. They, they just still don't know how to like use prompts properly to like convince mm. me that they're like <laughs> competent. <laughs> so eventually like they're going to find a prompt where it's like speaking like a, you know, casual California bro voice or whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're going to find the magic sauce, but like they, right. <laughs> maybe they never will. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, it, another interesting uh, thing that I remember you telling me about and that I recently used and actually worked really good is when making like a job listing on something like Upwork to hire someone, you said, um, 
to make sure that you've actually read this, please start your message with the word like howdy, Matt. Um, anyways, I use that and it was it was really awesome. It was a quick way to like filter through uh, what were just like auto responds and what's, what were like actual people because they would be like, howdy, Jaden, blah, 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 and respond to my like job listing. That being said, mm. though, it did come to my like, like I, I realized that if you were using ChatGPT and you just copied an entire job listing yeah. and it yeah. said ChatGPT respond to this, ChatGPT would know, like read it and say it would know to start it with howdy. So I'm like, ah, pretty much, I guess it just weeds out like really poor, uh, quality applicants that didn't read it and didn't use anything to like try to clean it up or make it more customized so i mean oh interesting like like yeah. you, you definitely are cutting out probably the lowest quality responses like zero yeah just like completely automated but it's not cutting out chat gpt so that is kind of an interesting uh yeah it's hard how would you do that like even if you ask them for like a specific plan on how they would i guess you could give them no context on what your business does and say go to this website and learn about it and and then tell me how you would, you know, like, for example, I, if I want them to do like video editing, I'll attach a file and I'll say, like, tell me how you would edit this up or, or something like that. Something that requires like another step, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, download this and send me like a sample of, of your work or something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One sort of verification would be like, they would have to do any sort of file download, be like, start your message with the word in this file and then, or start your message with like... <laughs> Start the message with the name of my, um, you know, the name of my like software project name and which is linked in the file picture and you have like, you know, the picture, the screenshot of whatever you want them to work on. So something big in there that they have to like actually click on and look at. Um, Dude, you make your own CAPTCHA for them. They have to open a picture and say like, this is a yellow duck and then they can reply to your job posting so you know they're verified like real people. It's not just chat GPT. Oh man. Well, you know, the funny thing is there's like on a lot of these job things, there's people that um, they'll have like one account and they almost like loan it out to people to like oh, that's use so their account. I know it drives me nuts because it's like, oh, they've done like a million dollars in sales, but it's really like seven guys all using the same account, just doing tons of different jobs on there. Um, and so I know those kind of guys definitely just have software that just go out and like spam every single job posting saying, hey, I can do this for, you know, your price or cheaper. And then they just, whatever they get, they just bring it in and offshore it to someone. Yeah, it, it makes someone. me mad because they send their they send their first message and say like the guy on the account is named like Muhammad and he'll say hey he'll message me and be like hey this is a seam I'm like who the heck what the <laughs> heck what the frick <laughs> like who are you I, I just read all about Muhammad like I hate this He's like oh right. yeah I lend it to Muhammad sometimes I'm like uh, probably the other way around but right <laughs> let's see what you can do Okay, well, I wanted to talk first and get your opinion. OpenAI has just launched a new ChatGPT feature, which is obviously exciting when that happens because it seems to be um, kind of the top. But before I get into that, have you had the have you had the chance to mess around with any of these other AI models that are coming out? Like obviously Google Bard um, and obviously Anthropics Claude. Have you had the Have you had the chance to mess around with either? I guess Bard probably most important. Yeah, just with Bard and Bard sucked. Uh, really, I used it like the first day. Yeah, it came out and I was like, oh, let's check it out. I like, I bet it's going to be awesome. And then I asked it like three questions. I think I was just trying to get it to like say something naughty, like classic, right. like let, let's test, let's test the uh, abilities. <laughs> and then it gave me the answer to a question I didn't ask. It gave me the score to a basketball game. It was like, oh, the Lakers scored like this many points in this season with like this person or something. And I was like, what? Like, 
I asked you like about this like geography thing. It wasn't even close. And I looked it up and it turns out that uh, Bard will like mix up your questions with other people's from different oh accounts sometimes. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I didn't ask any, I'm like, what is this answer? And um, it's like, you asked a question, you asked this question and it like phrased the question that it thought I asked. I said, no, I didn't. And it's, I don't know if you've ever told Bard like, no, you're wrong. But anytime I told it, no, you're wrong. It's like, yeah, I am wrong. And I was like, how far can I push it? Cause I'm like, is it sky blue? It's like, yes. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, you're right. <laughs> like, uh, it seems it's useless. like it's like yeah an ai model that's like the customer is always right like somewhere in yeah. its prompt that's like, hilarious yeah yeah somewhere deep in its mind it has to like give give in yeah and i've seen some funny stuff on reddit and stuff i don't know if you have you used them both yeah yeah i've, I've messed around with them both i you know i think bard has some like a lot of cool um potential i mean it's google so they have Every, they should have all the same data that uh, OpenAI has because they've indexed every website on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, they have like some cool integrations, like essentially a lot of the plugins that ChatGPT is integrating and launching. Um, like Google Bard should have, like they have Google Flights, they know everything in everyone's email. They know like, yeah. they have like a lot of data that even OpenAI wouldn't have. And so uh, they know how people are using like a lot of corporate tools um, with like their workspace, I guess uh, open it. Uh, I guess uh, OpenAI probably has that with their Microsoft partnership. But anyways, I, th I feel like they should have like a lot of extra data that would make them more powerful. But at the same time, yeah, I keep feeling like they're still a little behind OpenAI on stuff, which doesn't feel good when they, you know, took an extra six months to like further develop their product. Yeah, it's crazy. I just used, uh, I don't know if on Gmail you have this. I was typing an email on my phone. Maybe you saw this on my Instagram story, but it's like I said, this is the last email I ever write because mm, there's yeah. like a button literally uh, gmail is writing my emails for me at this point is it so have you used that a lot is that um what's your like uh, rating or review on the outputs it creates it's, it's fine i've only used it on my phone but the problem is it still asks me like what the prompt is it's mm -hmm. like what would you like this email to say but what i'd rather it do is read the email in fact read all the emails and then let me know what it thinks i should say and maybe i can start training it on my business and who i am and then like it'd be cool if it wrote it for you and you're and it's like how accurate is it from one to ten i'm like ah this is like a six and it's like what can we do better I'm like well instead of using this word or referencing that thing like do this instead and it would be cool if you could train your own yeah i feel like thought. we're we're getting to a phase where like everyone and i think there's some pros and cons to this, but I, I feel like we're getting to a phase where everyone's going to have their own like custom tuned ai outputs based off of them their beliefs their ideologies the way they talk the way they say things like why would i want um, you know, why would I want an output from OpenAI that says, like, it doesn't believe in this certain thing, or it doesn't think this certain thing is good, or this thing is bad when it like goes against whatever I think, right? So I'm obviously not going to use that output. So eventually, these things right. are going to have to be whether OpenAI custom tunes them or someone else does. Eventually, these things are going to have to be like, customized for the individual. I, I see, I feel like we get to a place where, yeah, trained off of your all of your um, data on Gmail, all of your photos and your camera roll, all of your content you've ever posted on YouTube or wherever, right? Facebook, like these things train. So it's like you, but then my thought is like, what happens when like someone wants to like turn over a new leaf? Like, you know, there's maybe there's this, uh, mm -hmm. some guy and he's like a, a thug and 
it's trained to have like thug AI <laughs> goes to jail, comes back like five years later and is like, I've turned over a new leaf. I want to be a new guy. His personality has changed. He's reformed. And then like, he's got his old AI model. How does it like, how would, or you know what I mean though? Or even I'm like, that's a dumb, such a dumb <laughs> example, but, but, but such a, but no, no. So like, I think it would more realistically be like, this is the AI that controls like my business email, like my business stuff. But like, what about like personal email stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just looking out for you whenever you inevitably go to prison and you're going to yeah. get a reformed man. <laughs> the guy's like, yo, like, stop using the word like pimping so much in my emails, man. <laughs> it's like, it ain't cool. <laughs> okay, but you get the idea, like, okay, so work and personal, that's a good, like, one. I guess the way we talk to different people, the way you might talk to, like, your kids or your spouse or, like, a coworker would be different. Um different people talk different different social circumstances but like what if you really wanted to like i don't know change some drastic thing you want to become a new person you want to like remove some old habit or introduce some new habit like how do, how do you see these things being able to like evolve with you when the entire history of your life might be one way does that make it harder for people i guess i'm coming from people probably laugh but i'm coming from like a perspective of like personal development background right like i've run self pause for a few years it's all about like changing your mindset changing your behaviors and like, uh, you know, reaching your goals, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like if you had like a mindset, perhaps like, uh, you didn't have a growth mindset, um, for example, and you wanted to like try to shift your mindset to be more like that, but your entire AI was trained one way. And so it just keeps spitting out like what you used to be. How hard is that going to be to change? What do you think the AIs do? Dude, I think that it's hard for people to change regardless. In fact, my thesis is that people don't change like 99% of the time. Like, even if they want to, they don't. But I think that uh, what I really want, because I've been wanting to make my own bot for sales and for my website, and I know you can like feed it documents. Yeah. But I think as long as there's like a, what I want is like, I want an AI box. <laughs> I want an AI box <laughs> where I can open up a prompt and just tell it something new and it will like adapt to that and be like, hey, instead of doing this, like we always do, do this instead, because it's mm. the only way you know, even in my company, as we do things differently at Promptbox or AppRabbit, or you do things differently with like your self-pause coaching or anything like that, it's like, hey, we don't do this anymore. Like we do this instead. And I just wanted to like make all the changes retroactively and like, mm. like just, you know, be yep. new. Yeah, I, I think that's the solution. Adapt. And I think I think your example there is probably a lot more viable than my like, you know, some person turns over a new leaf one, but it's like, we've done something, we've always done something one way in our business. And now we want to change how we're going to do that. We want to change our company culture. This is that's probably a lot more realistic, right? Because people do go through like massive company culture overhauls, or they try to they try to do like brand new initiatives in their company. This is pretty common, I feel like. Um, and so yeah, it's like how do we actually get the AI to do it? And I think yeah, maybe having some like model override, almost like um, when you're tuning a model and you have like the weights and stuff, you have like some big ones that are like these are like heavy hit or like ultimate um, things. And when you go and put in a new thing, like, hey, we're changing how we do this to co completely be like this. Instead, it needs to be able to like uh, pull that through on everything it does. Yeah, I think that, that's yeah, another solution. Another way that I do, uh, I tell AI, I've been using ChatGPT to write me ads and, I, and email copy. And I don't take the end result that it gives me. I always fine tune it, but I always ask it, what questions do you need to know to write a three piece email chain sequence or whatever for marketing for people that sign up for my product called AppRabbit? And then it'll ask me like 15 questions. 
like, and I take like half an hour answering like full, like long sentences and like, mm -hmm. give it like, and it's asking me questions. Like, do you have any promotions coming up? And like, like, what are the benefits of the product? How do you differentiate from your competition? And like, what are some features that you feel like people would be most excited about? And like, what are some things in the pipeline? Like really mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And then I take what I've given it and I save it in the prompt box as a, and I, I call the, the prompt everything about AppRabbit or everything about whatever it is I'm telling it about. And then next time, I know I can probably look up the conversations, but I never do. So I just, next time I'm in chat GPT, I just take that prompt. And I just copy paste it. And I said, given the information I just gave you, uh, do this now. And I can get it to do something else for my business. And I just gave it like, you know, 500 words of text about my business. And then I can just reuse that. Dude, I absolutely love what you said. I think, okay, something in there that you said was an absolute nugget that I feel like absolutely you have to do. This is going to make every single prompt and every single AI output and any project you're doing in life better. You don't just go and tell um, ChatGPT exactly what you want because by doing that, you're limited to what you know in your mind. What you have to do and your current experience, what you have to do is ask it, what do I need in order to accomplish this outcome, right? Like, what are the questions I need to ask you to get uh, all of the right information in an email chain or all of the right uh, content to an investor or all of the right information for a customer? Ask it like, what do I need? Like, what do I need to include? It gives you the questions, you answer the questions, and then it gives you the output. I think that's mm -hmm. like the absolute golden strategy to actually get really high quality content. Yeah, with everything, <clears throat> whether it be podcasting or content. I mean, isn't that the, the premise of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? It's all about just asking, finding the right question to ask. I think that's why Elon is obsessed about it because he's yeah. always, yeah, exactly. always the right question. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, so the, the feature that I was talking about a while ago, we got sidetracked, I guess, um, is that ChatGPT, number one, uh, Sam Altman just announced that he's allowing everyone to have plugins. I think after Bard came out and it was free, he's worried that, you know, everyone's going to see all the functionality and switch over there. So that got going. The other one that I think this is just funny. Um, I love is the, capitalism. I love capitalism, yeah. Um, the other one that I think is funny is he added a button that just says, like, continue, um, which is hilarious because I think, like, right now um you know when it when it like caps out halfway through a response because it runs out of tokens or whatever you know i, I just think all the people aren't going to know the pain that all the ogs had to go through by typing please continue writing like this thing and it, mm. it continued to write now they just got a button like continue generating or whatever that's pretty funny um I honestly surprised i didn't add it sooner since it's it probably is just a like a it's a, just a continuation of the prompt anyways it's a button but it just does what you type anyways it's just probably the most right. common thing people message to it so they turned it into a button but uh that's funny do you see chat gpt integrating um a lot of complex settings features um like first example something like uh prompt box do you see them ever integrating something like that into just chat gpt itself do you think there's a reason why they've been like pretty light on any features other than literally the chat and like the history yeah I was actually uh, looking at, um, I'm actually very interested in the plugins. In fact, some people have said that the plugins for ChatGPT are like the largest opportunity in the world right now. And I kind of agree. Like, are you on the wait list? Looks, I am on the wait list. Uh, I have ChatGPT4, so I don't even know. I should no, no, just open the, up uh, the wait list to create a plugin. Are you on that wait list? Yeah, I am. Uh, I need to check my email to see, but like. Even my chat GPT four doesn't have all the stuff that some people have yet. Yeah. So like I don't have, I don't I have internet they, yet. 
they just launched it. So I would say this for anyone listening that might uh, be in your same place, go to GPT-4, go to settings. Um, and then inside of settings, you have there's a toggle you can turn on to enable plugins. But I think they've rolled it out to everyone now. Um, oh, dude, you're right. It's yep. in beta features. Yep, yep. They kind of they kind of buried it, and I'm I'm not 100 percent sure why. Like, if this is just an awesome feature, why don't you just give it to everyone auto enabled? Like, you go onto your account. I'm not sure why they have a, a toggle in the settings. I wonder if it's like because Sam Altman he tweeted and he was like, "Hey, we're enabling this for everyone." Maybe it's like their way to slow roll the launch because not everyone's gonna know and they're gonna have to hear someone like like I didn't know until I saw someone tweet about it, and now you didn't know till you talked about it, and everyone on the podcast now knows. But like. I'm not sure why they wouldn't just roll it out because like Google's was just integrated and rolled out and that's who they're worried about competing with anyways. So I'm not hundred percent sure what their mentality for slow rolling that would be. They must be a bit sketched out by it or something, but yeah, the plugins. Oh, cool. So now I can select a plugin that's, oh, the plugin store. See the, that's, that's going to be, so it says plugins are powered by third-party applications that are not controlled by open AI. Be sure to, you trust a plugin, blah, blah, blah. I wonder how strict the store is going to be if it's going to be like uh apple apple and google app stores for those of you who don't know insanely hard like you'll probably get rejected at least twice before getting any app passed through them i, mm -hmm. I hope that one day they just completely die and everything turns into a web app but with chat gpt <laughs> doing this now, <laughs> coming from a guy that has a company that creates apps for people <laughs> yeah literally the, the the coolest part about app rabbit is that you can get your own custom app on the app store and i hope that they die it just it just sucks it also gives us a moat though and honestly i don't think it is going anywhere for a while but yeah i think uh uh the plugins are like giant and to answer your question about prompt box i think that they if like i need to build a plugin for chat GPT for Promptbox, but you know, part of me every month is like, this is a month where Promptbox gets like taken out. Like there's one that just got taken out. I thought last night, I'll have to look it up. I'll look it up um, in a second, but it's like a plugin comes out and boom, like a company just becomes irrelevant all of a sudden. Mm, you know? Right. <laughs> what, what, right. Are, what do you think about plugins and, and the kind of the, the landscape now? You know, I think that there is incredible power to first mover advantage. Um, definitely, I think if the big dog, so like if OpenAI releases a product, it's going to crush like a lot of competitors. But if it's just like other competitors or other companies coming out, it's like most people will not have heard about uh, certain things. So I, I guess as long as you're competitive in like features, um, whoever comes out first is going to have like a really big advantage, I think. So yeah, uh, it, for anyone developing um, software, the other thing is, I think if you just build a product and stop, you'll probably get it overtaken, but that's just, I feel like that's just business in general, especially in software. The secret is first mover advantage. Like, so if you're like, okay, no one's doing this yet, but I'm worried someone's gonna, okay, well do it first, do it good. If someone else does it and you already, if you've already built up some sort of audience there, you already have customers there, you can pivot and change and like do extra things. Like every big company, like Intel completely shifted and pivoted to doing like their chips when there was some major uh, changes in, um, technology and like a lot of other companies have done similar things so like i wouldn't be afraid like oh some company could come in and potentially crush it just get in it first get a bigger audience and then you can pivot and change it's like the audience that's the power um and having that audience so i think uh i think a bias towards action will be will be good and i wouldn't worry about it i mean you can't worry about it like you can either do nothing or you can do something so i would say do something and that's you have to build and be loud yep yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like there, so many cool plugins. Like I'm looking at one calendar AI. 
calendar AI sales agents generate revenue with potential customers from 200 million companies globally. Uh, world news, summarize news headlines. You can ask for the latest news from various sources around the world. One I saw last night on Twitter was this called chat with PDF. Too busy mm -hmm. to read a doc, just upload it in ChatGPT and chat with it. Ask questions and ask for insights. Yeah, yeah. All super, super powerful. I feel like something like that, it's I, it's interesting because I don't know if like, if you build a plugin and it becomes a really popular plugin, like at what level does ChatGPT try to like, <laughs> like, why wouldn't they just integrate that? Like, I'm sure Google Bard is going to integrate that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I. I don't know. I don't know because I don't know how heavy it is to lift the whole AI backend. It might not be that crazy. Like I know they have the algorithms and the AI learning and everything, but I, maybe they're content to just be like the guys who, you know, if you want to use a plugin, they're gatekeeping all of it. Right. So. Right. And I think like it's probably the concern everyone has building an AI, right? They're like, is my project going to just get done by ChatGPT or OpenAI and just integrated directly? But I th I just think like, I'm not sure what the what the relationship is, if it's like some sort of conflict of interest, because if they do start integrating a lot of like features directly in, it's kind of brutal if you built something, let's say it was like the number one plugin and then ChatGPT is like, sweet. Now they just like instantly like uh, integrate it. It's kind of like... Uh, you know, they kind of did them dirty because they, they got all the, the user feedback that this is a popular tool before they just did it. Yeah, that would be a slap in the face. And I think they probably want it to be like a pretty active development pool. Dude, this is crazy. There's no search option for plugins. You literally have like a table, like like a previous and a next, and you have 10 plus pages of, of new plugins, but there's no search bar. So even if I, <laughs> even if I wanted to go find like one of these cool ones, like there's a cool one where... You can just paste a YouTube link in and I already have a, an extension called Glasp that does this, but you paste a YouTube link and it gives you like bullet points of like what it's about. But there's a extension, which I'd rather use because it's just all in chat GPT. But for me to find it, I literally would have to scroll through 10 pages of plugins. That's oh yeah. That's yeah, so that's the other thing. I just feel like sometimes they're doing things like in a really not uh, effective manner. Like it's they're crazy. really light on features. Like why wouldn't you include a search bar? Like some things that just seem so basic, they just don't have. And like, you know, we know that they have the budget for it. So it's just, it is kind of a, a little strange. Oh, I found a text messaging one called glowing. I'm definitely schedule and send daily SMS messages. Dude, if that can incorporate AI into the actual message, and respond <laughs> like I'm all over it. I bet it doesn't, but uh, that would be awesome if it did. Well, it may not have the uh, the blue bubbles, so it might be less effective than. But uh, yeah, it, it would be cool. Okay, so two big stories came out in education. I want to get your opinion on them. The first one is that uh, New York public schools have completely dropped their ban on uh, ChatGPT, which was the first. You know, it was like one of the very first education platforms to do that. So, what's your thoughts on that? Good. And also Italy dropped their ban, I think, too. I think their whole country banned it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's good. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, some we had a school licensed prompt box so they could uh, have like a white labeled version of it so they can teach their kids how to use prompts. And he's like, I need it for all my students. And so we came to an agreement and that's pretty wild. Uh, I think it's awesome, though, because if AI is the future, like, if I was a teacher in school right now, I'd definitely want to be teaching my the kids like how to use AI effectively to it kind of puts everyone back in the 
in the director's chair, right? Like you don't have to, maybe it's, maybe it's not good for your brain development to not have to like write the essays and stuff, but it is interesting to think, why do I want to write the essay? And like, what do I want it to be about? And how do I want people to see it? And that's all you really need to be thinking about. That's, that's an interesting one. It might not be healthy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But so I, people so should some, things, some things I think about that um, is we kind of had this initial wave where there was a bunch of like, you know, Italy and like the New York school system. And I felt like we're starting to see a bunch of people banning stuff. And it was really left to be determined, like, is this a wave that kind of goes through where everyone's going to ban it and like try to shut it down? Or like, are we going to embrace it? And I think by Italy unbanning, uh, New York school system unbanning, like, I feel like we're getting to a point where the wave was very small and quickly reversed where people realize there's no way they can possibly uh, stop this, nor is it going to be helpful to do it. But then another uh, news story just recently came out where a Texas A&M professor, he um, threatened to essentially fail his entire class for using ChatGPT. And a lot of people are criticizing this. It's pretty funny because he said, hey, like um, I'm going to take, or I took your last three uh, reports that I made you guys all do. And I put them into ChatGPT and I said, hey, ChatGPT, did you write this? And he said, it said it wrote every single one. So like all of you guys are pretty much failing and you can't graduate. So a couple, like everyone's criticizing, obviously, because like ChatGPT doesn't actually work like that. You can't give it content and ask it if it wrote it. So the guy is, you know, obviously way off because of that. But just the concept of, you know, failing everyone for using AI, I feel like goes to the same thing as the New York City ban um, and is going to inevitably just have to be, uh, is going to have to be wiped. Like you're going to have to learn how to use it as a tool um, because there's no way people can completely get around it. Plus you can just use tools to make it so it's not detectable by AI anyways. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, uh, it's like stopping people from using calculators in real life now. Like if you assign homework, yeah, really what they'll have to do is just not assign homework and have people write in class. Although I don't know if people are on laptops in school now. I, I was in a notebook, pen and paper. <laughs> some people had laptops. Some 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 of like the super nerds would bring like laptops and like they were allowed to uh to write in class, which was probably more effective, honestly. But they're just gonna have to have like computers with no internet and, and people are gonna have to actually write. Which is good because I actually never agreed with uh, homework anyways. I think if you're going to school for that many hours a day, I don't even think you should go home and then do more schoolwork. <laughs> I think that should be the out. time where you should be doing other stuff, you know? Right. Having a life. Um, okay. So here is a really big piece of AI news I'd like to get your feedback on. So essentially, um, Amazon just said that they're going to bring a chat GPT type AI to Alexa. And like, bear in mind, Alexa has sold over 500 million devices. Do you think this is going to, what do you think the impact on the field of AI is? This isn't necessarily like chat GPT where people are sitting down and typing. It's very like voice-based. Do you think that uh, that's going to change consumers' behavior to like use chat GPT less if they can just talk to their Alexa, for example? Hmm. I don't know. I wonder if uh, Alexa will like suggest things to them. Like, oh, given the conversation you had earlier, uh, you know. <laughs> You might want to try this, like this, this low toxic, like washing detergent or whatever, like for clothes, <laughs> like it's yeah, going to infer. Trained like, off of oh, everything you've ever said. It just listens. <laughs> right. It's like, Hey, Amazon just came out with this. Like there's a new product called like this, you know, bamboo sheet, sheet thing. It's like, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you should give it a go. In fact, I'll order it for you right now. If all you have to do is say yes. <laughs> you're like, uh, yes. <laughs> well, uh, I think you bring up a good point because whether Amazon Alexa does this or someone else, I 
absolutely guarantee someone's going to do this. In fact, I recently covered a product called Humane, which is like, it's kind of like a little, yeah, it's a little camera and microchip thing and like recorder that goes in your like shirt pocket and it watches everything and you can like talk to it and stuff. Okay. Whether it's Humane or whether it's Amazon Alexa, I can guarantee someone is going to build a product that is in your house listening to everything. And it's like, and it's not going to be like a privacy concern. Like they're, they're going to shy away from that. They're going to be like, Hey, to like give you better accurate results. We listen to everything you say. So we really know what your tastes are, what you're interested in, what your opinions are. And we can really help make the most ultimate personalized experience for you. So Which in the demo that I saw of humane, uh, it was the guy asked his little AI assistant that was in his pocket, if he was allowed to have like a donut or a bite of ice cream or something. Did you see this? It's like a Ted talk. And it was like, yeah, like you have the calories to afford that today. Or like, as long as you don't do more than like two bites, like your, your dietary system can handle that. Or I forget what it said exactly, but it's like <laughs> pretty, pretty, I didn't, I didn't like the fact that he was like asking a robot for permission. Like, I feel right. like that's bad, but it was interesting. But did you hear afterwards it said, do whatever you want. It was, it was really supportive of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one said, do whatever you want. Super nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you, robot in my pocket. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for permission. Yeah. Thank you for granting me like my, my rights. Right. So anyways, I'm, I'm really curious though, because I think this is actually bigger news for a lot of reasons. Like obviously, okay, Google's in the space now. Uh, Microsoft and OpenAI in, are in the space. We got Anthropic and Claude, which are like some indie projects, which are uh, kind of cool. But to be fair, um, Anthropic is does have like a two or three, no, I think it's a $300 million investment from Google. So while well, you see like OpenAI aligning with Microsoft, Anthropic's kind of aligning with Google. Um, now you see like Amazon coming out with one. It's going to be like what, Apple next? And mm. um, I don't know, who, maybe Intel you see like AI products coming out of NVIDIA, obviously they're making all the chips though. So maybe they'll stay away from like the AI uh, model. What do you think about the, what do you think about the chat stuff? Like talking to it? Cause that's like Jarvis from Iron Man or it's, it's like talking to robots has always been part of sci-fi. That seems pretty realistic now, especially once it gets into like robots and stuff like that. I think it gets a whole lot better. I actually think this is like, uh, like Alexa is like the perfect use case for chat GPT because um, in the past, if you've used Alexa or I had like a Google play, or like a, what was it? Like a Google Home Mini, I think, mm -hmm. or something. Anyways, mm -hmm. it's an Alexa from Google. And um, eventually, like, like when you ask it for responses, they had to like program it on how to crawl the internet to get the right response that you were looking for. And I imagine that was pretty tricky where now you literally just plug it into an API or you build your own tech on Amazon's you know side where you plug it into like your large language model and now it just knows the answer and it spits it out. That being said, like, is it less accurate? Um, I don't really remember people saying they had like accuracy problems in the past with like an Alexa, but now does this introduce like a whole area where like, how do you actually get it to be super accurate? Like even Google hasn't mastered that. And that was the point of their last, you know, like six months of development was just to try to, they already had the tech of ChatGPT. They just had to try to like nail down making it, um, you know, really accurate. And so it's, it is tricky. I believe it'll get there, but I wonder if, like the Alexa product almost gets worse or if it gets better after this. Hmm. They could hmm. probably do a lot more rich responses. I wonder if it'll like, uh, I wonder if you can have an AI assistant that follows you. So like it's, it's in your car because you're going to want it everywhere, right? Like maybe the office, the phone makes like the most sense for an AI that can just talk to you or like a robotic entity, right? Like uh, 
I know robots are something a lot of people are talking about these days. Like I know Elon just had a little presentation for his shareholders on Tesla. Mm -hmm. I think once AI is there and you're having conversations, I think that's pretty wild. I mean, it's kind of like, did you hear about the story about like the AI girlfriend that made like 80 grand in a, in a week or a day? Yeah. People, it was like trained on this one girl that everyone wants to date. And so all these dudes signed up to know what it'd be like to like text this girl or whatever. And then it would actually use her voice to like respond back to and everything, which is insane that there are that many lonely people out there and also insane that it worked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she forecasted making like $5 million a year, which I don't know if she actually will, or if it will just be like a novelty that people get over. Um, but yeah, no, very, very crazy. I don't know if you, yeah, all the controversy around it was pretty funny. Um, cause obviously it was saying some pretty, uh, like not PG things responding oh, to really? people. <laughs> oh yeah. It was like, that was like the big controversy around it is that it was like flirting with people. It was saying, um, you know, all sorts of, uh, things, manipulating which, them. Yeah, no, actually, it's really funny if you listen to, to clips of it and stuff. But, um, you know, people are saying like, okay, it's just kind of like the new OnlyFans. Now you just train like your AI voice. And it's like those phone numbers people, you know, you had in the, the 90s that people used to call. Mm. Um, but what's interesting about it, I think, is right after that, like all the, that broke, like obviously this thing was trained and fully capable of doing that. And like that she's got, you know, 99% um, male followers. So like you can fill in the blanks what people are using it for. But um What's funny is like, there's all these news headlines where she was like, I don't know what happened. It went rogue. We're trying everything we can to fix it. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It, it just seemed funny. Um, it, it would appear that it's like the new OnlyFans for people, but at the same time, then they're like pretending it's like, just to like talk with or whatever. So oh, man. it'll be interesting to see what direction it actually gets taken. You know how there's always like that uh, divide people talk about in politics where like the left is becoming more left, the right more right, and like things are becoming more polarized all the time. I feel like yeah. there's also a divide happening in people. They're either becoming like much more entrepreneurial minded or like just much more like just part of the structure that is everything else. And like the guys that are like signing up to date an AI bot, they're on the other side <laughs> of the spectrum. <laughs> like, they're probably not the people that listen to the podcast. You know, everyone here is trying to like do self-improvement, stay on the cutting edge, you know, like build right. something for themselves. And then there's the guys that are like out there, you know, Dating no hate if this AI. is you, but like, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty wild that like the divide between like self-improvement and like not is also seemingly becoming more divided. Like there's less middle ground because you can't really survive there. Like you have to make a lot more money these days, which means you need like a lot more effort, a lot more knowledge. And, uh, and I just feel like that divide is slipping. Cause you know, I'll go work at coffee shops or I'll, uh, which is like next to a gas station. And, and this this last uh, week. And I see people that are just like, I promise like self-improvement hasn't crossed their mind in like decades and like it never will. And like, that's just so crazy to me. Cause I live in such a confined bubble right now, like my own echo chamber of like self-improvement and like entrepreneurship. It's just kind of a, whenever I get like a sneak peek look into like the other side, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like that's pretty, that's pretty wild. Like it's pretty different. Like I almost thought this was the only way to live life, but you know, it's not. Yeah. You, you could, you could pick all sorts of pads. Um, okay. So there is something very interesting that recently came out from uh, Microsoft, some researchers at Microsoft actually, and they believe that they have caught a glimpse of um a spark of AGI in GPT-4. They're like, no, it's like, it's not like, you know, there's actually AGI in there, but we definitely see a spark. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. So they did a study where they, um, or they did 
like they were just testing it or whatever. What is what is AGI? Artificial general intelligence. That's like the uh, you know when the the AI is as smart as a human, pretty much. Hmm. And that's like that inflection point that people talk about. Hmm. Um, so they believe they found a spark of that because they uh, they were comparing uh, GPT three to GPT four, and they so they go and ask the original Chat GPT. They're like, hey you have nine eggs and like a nail and a laptop and like a book. How do you balance them all together? And it was like, oh, well, you like take the egg and you like balance it on top of like the head of the nail. And then you like put the laptop on and the book. And it's like, obviously like impossible. It's just like a terrible mm-hmm. answer. Then they asked GPT-4 the same question. And GPT-4 said, you take the nine eggs, you line them up into a grid. You put the laptop on top of that. The strength of the eggs should be strong enough to withhold uh, the structure of the laptop and you can put everything else on top of the laptop hmm. um and th- hmm. so they're saying it what it showed and the reason why they did like this mind test is not because of like the shape of the egg but they knew about like it knew about the physical world it knew about the strength of the egg it knew about like it, it, it like knew about like physical objects and how they could like actually work and it had to think about it and i don't know i guess it was like one of those like tests you know they have like these tests anyways mm. so it accurately got the test um and they're saying there's a spark of agi here it's obviously not here but uh it's pretty interesting that is interesting makes you feel like ai is gonna like reach out into the real world and like start doing things which it will start doing eventually it will so one other uh piece of news i saw yesterday is the fact that uh, Tesla and there's actually two um, AI robotics companies that released and they're, they're AI and robotics combined companies that released like demos yesterday. Uh, one was Tesla's Optimus robot. They released a video of like five Optimus robots, like walking down like the hallway coming towards you, like picking things up, moving things in dishes. And like, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. These things are going to be really powerful. And then the second one was um, another company based out of Vancouver and well but that one i'm less like hyped about and i i don't know i'm, I'm a lot less hyped about because their demo video was like the robot which is cool and then it like showed its hands really like tons of like really complex movements in its fingers which was impressive but it didn't actually show it doing anything or walking or moving and i'm like yeah that that sizzle reel you could just like i don't know record like the thing opening and closing its hands and then do like all these cool angles of like this cool looking robot so that one i'm a lot less impressed by I'm very impressed by Boston Dynamics humanoid robot. If you've seen like their demo where they're like, hey, robot, like grab me the tool thing. And the guy's on top of scaffolding and it like runs yeah. and does like a backflip and it's like insane. They haven't mm-hmm. merged it with AI, I don't believe. So that will be very insane when that happens. Um, or partnered with a massive AI company necessarily. I think, think it's more robotics. But anyways, so Tesla to me seems like it's at the very forefront right now with their Optimus robot as far as AI and the robot combined. Um, where other ones are more robot or more AI or neither. They're just hyping it up and trying to be like, um, you know, all the electric car companies that didn't actually have electric cars. So Dude, we should la- we should launch a robotic company <clears throat> and just be us in, in robot costumes. And <laughs> yeah. we'll just like, we'll like break the internet because it'll be like, check out this robot. Like it's sitting down at a computer, like typing an email for me. And it's now it's running like, my entire company. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like mowing my lawn. And it's like <laughs> you, the camera pans outside and it like waves to you, like salutes you. <laughs> Good morning, Jaden. <laughs> um, well, I think so. What you bring up there, though, like right, like if a robot was actually doing those things, I think that's why the whole discussion about like AGI is interesting and robots. Because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Why do I talk about robots on like an AI podcast?" It's because like 
inevitably those two things are going to be like the same. Like as soon as you can have the fully functioning human robot and then you stick the AI in it, now it's an electrician, it's a plumber, it's a lawyer. It literally can do everything in the like lawyer, I guess is like even less relevant, but like electrician plumber, every mm-hmm. blue collar job that it originally, like, I don't know if you get this a lot, but talking to like a lot <laughs> of uh, AI tech entrepreneurs in AI right now, they're like, oh man, like, I don't know if I should even bother if I should just go become a plumber because like, you know, like ChatGPT and OpenAI, they're just going to make everything I'm making anyways and just like add it to their platform. So like, what's the point, you know? Um, but like, I give that like four or five years and these robots will be like electricians and plumbers. So like blue collar jobs just as at risk, in my opinion, in the next five years as all the white collar jobs that people are, you know, worried about right now. That'll be pretty wild. I'll just, I know, just thinking like, a robot would never actually have to like, yeah, for it to do anything that wasn't physical labor, it could probably, it would probably just have access to the internet and have access to your computer and have access like to the HTML of a website. So it would never actually have to physically do anything that was software related. Like it's, it's never going to type or do anything like that, but dude, five years to become like a plumber and electrician. I don't know, man. Like, that's one thing I, that's like one skeptical part of me about everything in this field is robots. They just don't seem good enough. Like when it comes to doing something like in an attic <clears throat> or crawling under a crawl space, like on your back or even like under a car, I guess it could happen. Like it would have to just be able to recognize things, but like, it's going to get like its foot caught, like on a, you know, like, like on a piece of wood and then it's not going to know how to free itself. And then it'll self-destruct and blow up your house. <laughs> it's just so hard to navigate like tight spaces. I don't know if robots are going to figure that one out. I guess it'll have camera on its feet and stuff. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. We'll see. How do you think they train this? Like, okay. So I've seen some demos of like people with like stuff all over them and they're like moving and then there's like a robot. It's like copying them. So I think that, like you, you think of like how they train Tesla's self-driving neural network. It's because they put cameras all over cars, see how humans drive the cars, then they can train um, their tech to drive the cars. What do you think that's going to look like when they're trying to train all of these uh, AI robots to do like to be electricians? Are they going to get a bunch of electricians to wear like a bo- a full body mm. suit sensing everything they do for like a year on the job? Like, like those video game ones where like you have all the, the dots and balls on like your outfit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to go wear that and then just go to work every day. And then, you know, you're training like an AI that's going to like replace you because it will Ooh. know like all of your movements. It's true. Like the movements thing is a whole nother sphere. There's knowledge, but then there's movement. Like you said, you're in an attic trying to like fix an electrical problem. And it's like you have to like conceptually have learned um, how to move and maneuver as a child around and over objects. You probably learned a lot on the playground uh, growing up or wherever to like do a lot of like the movements beyond just the knowledge. And so, yeah, the robots represent an entire other area of um, AI and artificial intelligence where they have to like learn how a human body like moves and reacts in like a physical world around them. I also think that smart homes are going to become a thing. That'll be obviously longer because uh, down the road, but I think that homes will be built in a way where AI can service them better. So new, new homes will eventually be created so that robots can easily access like the plumbing problems and all that kind of stuff. And I know that sounds far-fetched, but I've seen some videos where like they build plumbing in a different way. So that's more easily accessible for like certain types of like robots so that you can like drive small vehicles around it and stuff like that underground and like, 
I think oh, that I I would even say like the yeah they've made that's a very interesting concept. I think that will definitely be a thing, especially as these things get more prevalent and like affordable. Maybe like you you think about this: you join an HOA, and the HOA was all mm. built by the same builder, and they build it in a way so that like all the all the plumbing is accessible through like an outside panel, all your electrical is accessible through like an outside panel, and then the HOA owns a robot, and part of your HOA fee is like the robot will go service like all of your like the things at your house or it's like the robot will like go and mow your lawn it's just like part of like your hoa fee that you just like pay right. for it <clears throat> it's like r2d2 and it like sticks that little thing into the wall and like moves it around and like fixes your uh <laughs> your problems yeah like i mean it, it really wouldn't surprise me um especially yeah especially like you already have an hoa and a home builder gonna go build like so i know everywhere is like a little bit different i'm coming from like Canada, it was a lot less common where I grew up, but now I live in Arizona and like everything is HOA track home built. So like a builder will come in and he'll build like, you know, 400 homes. They all look almost identical with some like minor changes and the paint on the outside slightly different, but they're even all the same, like sort of shades of paint. So they all match mm. or whatever. Um, yeah, that's going to happen with, uh, so if you have that situation where it's the same guy building the whole thing and there's technology like that, that could fix it. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do it? It'll be, I, I believe that will be a thing. Yeah, Crazy. that'll totally be a thing. <laughs> I mean, I've even seen improvements of like how from my, for my first home to uh, this, my second home, the first home I got one that was built in like 1978. And like, if the bathtub had a leak or something, I literally had to like cut a hole in the drywall, get behind the bathtub, like mess with the pipes, repatch the drywall. And then now... Um, in my home, it's like on the outside, on the other side of the bathtub, there's just like this plastic, like bowl that's just like screwed to the wall and you like remove that and you can go access everything behind it or whatever. So like, they've obviously made like improvements like that, uh, for, mm. you know, electricians and plumbers. Now, why wouldn't they do it for robots in the future? I mean, the easy way to do it for homes now that I'm just like thinking in problem solving mode is you would have like these little tags, almost like air tags. And you just put them all around your house for like, oh, this is the shutoff valve for water. Like this is the, this is the heater. Like this is the, you know, this is the turn. This is like where you'd find like the pipe for this thing. And if you build a house and you just put all these little tags with like these little Bluetooth indicators, uh, someone would be able to come in or a robot would be able to come in and know exactly where everything is behind the wall. Like know where the piping is. So that'd be interesting. Like someone comes in to build a home and you're, everything's like just identified and maybe you get like a 3D scan kind of of your home and you can just see where everything is. And that's that's what the robot or even the the human electrician would, like they can just show up and go immediately to work because they don't have to like guess where things are. Yeah, and if they were like proactive with it, they could build it so that all your main, like your water pump, your water heater, um, your like main electrical panels, like a lot of the stuff is um, externally accessible on your house. So like the robot has the key, mm. opens it up, sees where your water tank is exploded you know, removes the thing, puts the new one in. You don't have to do anything. No one has to come into your house. Robot doesn't have to come into your house. Water heater's fixed. Plus, it would look super cool to have all your piping on the outside. <laughs> well, no, there'd be a door block, you know, but yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like all the wiring and Just all the fully plumbing. fully exposed is, to the elements. It's, it's on the outside of the home. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I mean, like, it's there's like, like a shed on the outside or something. I don't know. We probably went way too deep down this rabbit hole, but... Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. It, it everyone's uh, on the edge of their seat right now. Like, yes, <laughs> this, is, this is the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
based off of everything you've seen in AI this week, what do you think? Um, what do you think the biggest changes are going to be in the future? What what worries you the most? In I mean, even in the last like month, right? The way that AI is coming into healthcare and finance, what do you see as like the biggest disruptions the most immediately? Hmm. Well, in my world, it's the plugins. I think plugins this week because that was this week, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think plugins for me, uh, like I have serious anxiety to get a plugin out because if I don't, I feel like I'm behind and I feel like if everyone's going to be on GPT anyways, I want to be where the traffic is. So yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. In the last little bit, one area that really, uh, I just think is massive, um, is just the fact that I, if you saw the, the news where, um, they took. GPT and they fed it news headlines about a bunch of companies and they retroactively trained it and then they used it in forward in the in the future. Mm. But they trained mm. off the news headlines and then it could detect the stock market. I think that one is going to be really, really disruptive. Um, I think if regular investors don't find a way to get access to that, like it's just like a whole nother barrier to entry that hedge funds and other like large investors are going to just like be able to hose everyone on essentially because um, if they have ChatGPT trading for them and uh, successfully beating the stock market, like that's insane. That's insane technology, in my opinion. Like if you yeah, really like BlackRock's Aladdin, you've heard of that one? No, no. What's that? So BlackRock has an AI model that they've had for a little bit called Aladdin, and it's apparently how they make all their money. So it's like just a trading bot, just exactly what you're talking about, but it's like mm -hmm. highly sophisticated. It has like a 100% hit rate. <laughs> so I don't know if it's crawling the internet, getting stuff, probably everything, all the above. Plus BlackRock owns all the companies. So it's not like they can, it's not like they can't just make what they want happen anyways, probably, but right, that's right. Called, called Aladdin and it's not available to the public. And honestly, all the good stuff with AI won't be available to the public. We'll get like cool, like trinkets, but I think the deep, crazy AI stuff, I bet we don't even hear about it. I bet the military has it a little bit. And then in the inner circles at the very top, they probably have some pretty wild stuff going on. Yeah, 100%. With all the advancements in AI and how fast everything's rolling out after it was, you know, so broadly brought up to, um, broadly brought up to like the public from ChatGPT, it makes me wonder how much AI has been in existence for the last 10 years and how it's been used. Because we know Google has had access to the transformer model. They invented it back in 2017 or they came up with the concept. So like, let's say it took them 2018, 2019 to make it. Then that's 2020. That's like four years that essentially ChatGPT existed, but only Google had access to it. So like who else has really powerful tools never released to the public? Just like if you found like the ultimate money glitch, like the Aladdin bot that would just make you unlimited money, like why would you ever release that as a product to the public? You'd never do it. Yeah, you never would. Yeah, and dude, that's like one of the only things that I think about that I'm like, yeah, that would make me abandon all my companies and like all my aspirations. Like if I found a bot that just made me money, <laughs> like, so like that would just be the end. That would be the end. So that brings me to my final point or final question, which is a lot of people, Sam Altman included recently in his congressional testimony, talked about the concept of universal basic income. So like, let's think about it. You said if you had a bot that made you magical money, you would just abandon all your businesses. Okay, so what's the difference between that and universal basic income, which is a magic paycheck that comes to you every month uh, and just pays you? Would you abandon your businesses? 
Well, no, because it's coming from a source that I don't, I wouldn't, uh, it could easily be turned off. I think if I had a bot and I was trading giant sums of money and the money was not like money that was agreed to upon by like the government, like the government's going to give me a certain amount and that everyone's going to get the same amount. And then that amount will become like the amount that you need to live. Probably it's not going to be like excess because you can't give everybody excess. And so I would always be scared of it turning off or them needing me to do something to be dependent on it. So like, I'll have to listen to them. I don't want like an overlord. So if I had a bot, I would try to like reap so much money fast that I could like live above the median wage. And I don't think you'd get that with universal basic income. I think okay. it's a lot more risky. Okay. So, but what the argument that you're essentially making here is that universal basic income, uh, whether it accomplishes its task or not, is not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't cause ambitious people to abandon all ambition because if you're ambitious, you're still gonna, do you think it causes uh, non-ambitious people to stop trying altogether though? Do you think the 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 national GDP decreases with universal uh, something like universal basic income? Do you think the productivity in the country decreases, or do you think it would just shift? Yeah, it's interesting, and I wouldn't stop. I would stop needing to work for money, and I would start. I think ambition is always seen as like making money. Maybe it is, but I think I would I'd be very much involved with like there are a lot of things that fascinate me like uh, fusion and energy and like these new engines that are coming out. And I think I would be still working per se, but not needing, not doing it for the money, doing it more for the technology. Cause I do like tech, but I wouldn't have to see it through the lens of money. I think that people would get super lazy if just given, I mean, I think that doesn't take a lot. I think people we saw during COVID when people were able to get like stimulus checks and even just get paid and employment, like people, everybody did that, you know, cause it was just free money. So I think that's probably a net negative for the world, unless we can like do something crazy with our education system and inspire people to do things without needing to work for money. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's a complex topic. I'm, uh, I mean, I've yet to be convinced otherwise, like if you have, I, this is the way I think about it. Like the, the people that I know that get free money, um, are not always the most ambitious people. Like you think about someone that wins the lottery and I know the lottery is, kind of, I guess the lottery is not a good example because it's such a large sum of money, usually to someone in a, like a lower income class, um, but, or lower income tier or whatever. But like, mm -hmm. if you get a lot of money from the lottery, you blow it all and you're bankrupt like four years later. That's just like what happens to lottery winners, like almost all the time. Um, and so I guess this is different because UBI would be every month. So it's like, you're not going to go bankrupt do you stop working though? Um, or do you just focus your attention onto things that are more of your passion projects and you don't really care about? Or do you just feel like, I think it's going to be different for different people. Here's the one, okay, this is the one thing I do like think it has a really strong uh, argument for universal basic income is the fact that if we're all displaced essentially, like theoretically, right? Let's say we all get displaced by AI but we helped train the AI because we put content on the internet and it was trained on us, then do we deserve some sort of kickback from like it displacing everybody? But then also like, so like, I guess that's like the argument where I'm like, Ooh, okay, oh, yeah. that's a good yeah. argument. Like I made a content, it trained on my content and I didn't even give it permission. It just did. Cause it was in the terms of service of Reddit where it grabbed like some of my posts from Reddit and used that. 
Um, so do I deserve something? Of course, I think everybody feels like entitled. So there's like an entitlement thing where everyone's like, yeah, of course I deserve it. Right. Like, even though maybe like the 10 things you ever put on the internet that it was like trained on is like nominal, you know, definitely could have done it without it. So I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of people that feel entitled. Um, I think that's the argument that you could make though, if you wanted to, to do something like that. I don't know. I, something about universal basic income is not, uh, doesn't like jive with me because I just feel like I don't trust anyone else, the government, especially to like fund my life. And I feel yeah. like anything, I think the I'm perhaps the broader concern with universal basic income is anything that is, there's not, there's no, there's no such thing as something for free. So if the government gives you something and it's like, it's universal basic income, there will be strings attached. Like you probably have to conform to their standard of whatever their standards are, whoever's in power and what they believe those standards are. So that's what I think is more um, concerning. Okay, this is another really terrible example, but I remember talking to some lady and she was in, it's called Section 8 Housing here in Arizona. Maybe that's just the national term, but essentially it's like government mm -hmm. housing. And she was like, you know, I was talking to her and she was like, um, you know, I was trying to help, help find help with her with a certain church program. But she was saying like, yeah, I got kicked out of Section 8 Housing because my son came and lived with me for... Um, a couple months and he ended up selling drugs out of like our house or whatever. And then when they found out they kicked me out and I'm like permanently banned, like makes sense. And I actually like, that is like a use case where I agree with you have to create a safe space for all the other people in that housing. You can't sell drugs out of there because with that comes, um, you know, like druggies and people with guns and gangs and all oh, sorts of like yeah. violence. And yeah, so like, obviously <clears throat> that situation can't happen. And I completely understand the government's position there, but like, that same concept with universal basic income, it's like if you break one of their rules or something they um, don't like, could they retract that or could they manipulate people based off of universal basic income? It, it, they have a very strong totally. ability to manipulate people based off of it. Totally, totally. Yeah. You essentially have everybody by the balls. Like, and for centralized power, like that is not great. So I think the proven government is not great at... <laughs> They're yeah. not like a great overlord. <laughs> right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, all the all the big players, Sam Altman, uh, are talking about it and, you know, the necessity of it with AI. I think it'll be interesting to see the, see the way AI plays out if it really does mass, like if it does consolidate power to companies like OpenAI or if it just augments everybody and everyone rises together. I think it'll be interesting to see. In any case, uh, we better wrap up. But thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. For everyone um, that is interested, make sure to go check out uh, Matt's app prompt box it's google chrome plugin it's really killer for saving your prompts um make sure to join our facebook community i'll have a link in the description and make sure to grab our newsletter that goes out every week talking about what is happening in ai i will see you all next week and thanks so much for joining us Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.